Would you like to do the honors? Sure. I'll start. I feel like you've been starting a lot lately. I'll go first. I'm always starting. <laughs> Kathy's always starting stuff. Never finishing. <laughs> Story of my life. Yeah. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hang on. Okay. Er, I realized I hadn't plugged in my microphone. <laughs> ah, ah. And I was, is... I had like just plugged it in when I heard you talking, but I didn't have my headphones on. <laughs> All right. That's, yeah, helpful. Ooh, I am Hello. not positioned well on this couch. Hold on. Sorry. Nope. Doing so well. Podcast podcast over. Oh, that's fine. Forever. Oh, my goodness. That's extreme, but sure. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Do I sound okay? Yes. Okay. Yay. Yay. Okay. I woke up way too late, and it's Aww. thrown everything off. Yeah, I hate that. So I, as mentioned last time, my... I lost the earbuds I had been using for this podcast and had not procured new ones and hadn't charged the wireless ones from last time. <laughs> so I took a quick drive, drive, excuse me. Drive? Drive. Yes, not <laughs> a drive. Yeah, I don't know what I was trying to say. I took a quick drive, though, over to the shopping area of my town. And was looking for earbuds and something else. And I wanted to be in and out really fast. So I chose Walmart, which is not my favorite place. But I'm like, mm. it's the most likely place to have all the things I want right? in one shot. I hate that. I've gone there twice in the last month after like many months of not going there for that same reason. Unfortunately, one of the things I wanted was super cheap earbuds. And they're literally all locked up behind Ugh. cases and the so one person in there was helping someone else and it was taking forever. And then I was walking out and looked at the lines and I was like, oh, this would have been a bad choice anyway. And I would be late for this. So I walked next door to a dollar store and bought the cheapest headphones ever. <laughs> they're terrible. They sound awful, but they're not going to die in the middle of the podcast. That's important. Yeah. And I did not get my other stuff because they did not have it at Dollar Tree. That's very annoying. But that's okay. Here we are. That was such a thrilling story. <laughs> Almost as thrilling as you know this, but listeners, this week, I drove to work one day because I was like, I, I, I don't have it in me to take the bus today. But when I got out of work, I went and stood at the bus stop, thought about how It'd be real nice if I had my bike or car because it was hot and the sun was in my eyes and the bus was taking forever. And I took the bus home. What about my evening? Woke up the next morning and was like, this is the day I'm going to ride my bike. And I look outside and I'm like, huh, where's my car? <laughs> it was still downtown. Fortunately, still there when I took the bus into work because I couldn't take my bike if i needed to drive my car home too so that was fun those are my fun stories for the week it's a fantastic story <laughs> i think it's made better by the fact that i have done the exact same thing so i can just so relate <laughs> i feel like yours is worse because you were so far away from it's true i was an hour away from work yeah <laughs> randomly there was a bus that happened to go but there was like two there were three stops on this bus one of them was where i needed to go for work and one of them was right by my house an hour away and so yeah it was weird that there was a bus but there was and <laughs> yep yeah did the same thing yeah how are you doing i am fine my hand is a little achy Aww. after i accidentally stabbed myself in the hand yesterday but everything's fine <laughs> like you do like you do yep Taking apart a piece of equipment and stabbing myself with the tool in the process. Oops. I'm sorry it's hurting. That sucks. Oh, it's fine. It went th all the way through to the bone, so it's just going to be mildly achy, but it's not, like, infected or anything. God, it's I'm glad you didn't tell me that last night. Ugh. Oh, yeah. You know, I drove three hours into Brooklyn last night, like you do. <laughs> yep. When you want to see Ben and Adam from uh, 
Greatest Gen and <laughs> listen to them talk about Star Trek Four, which was amazing. <laughs> but the weird angle that I had my hand on the steering wheel because I couldn't grip the steering wheel normally with that hand, I think that that actually has more to do with the, uh. the sore muscles in the back of my hand than anything else at this point. Wow, wow. That's my fun story for the day. Otherwise, I'm fine. Good. Well, great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Also, I've overscheduled myself for today. Uh, I do that like every day. This is actually one day where I haven't overscheduled myself for the first time in a long time. <laughs> one day they might listen to this, but I don't think they do yet. But I have friends that I, two weeks ago, I was like, yes, we're totally going to hang out this weekend. And then I forgot and made other plans. I thought we've already talked about this, that you're not allowed to have other friends. I know. Well, I do. And then, You're supposed so... to be on retainer for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more or less, I made plans with you, so... This is true. It is your plans with me that are fucking up your plans with them. <laughs> so my sincerest apologies to my friends if they ever listen to this, but I'm trying to also cram them in. And I would invite them to hangs, but I'm not sure about cross-contaminating our friend groups yet. Yeah, that's fair, especially since one person in our particular friend group is more cautious than the average. And those two are relatively cautious, although I think they're hitting the same point we have. Because they're like, let's go out to a restaurant. And I'm like, okay. Oh, that's surprising from them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they chose a place that has outdoor seating as well. So hopefully it won't be crowded at four o'clock in the afternoon, but it is also a Saturday. So we will see. I, don't th- I mean, we're not being completely uncautious. We're starting to take a bit more risks, like yeah. our flight last weekend. But you know, we wore our full N95 masks and then got True. PCR tests when we came home. And we drove yesterday rather than taking public transit. We did. And, and then we took stood PCR in a crowded tests. room for We did, two hours. But, <laughs> but to be fair, we were also wearing masks and they were requiring vaccinations True. to get into that place. Very so True. I appreciated that. Yeah. I would not have been comfortable standing in a crowd like that if they hadn't been requiring vaccines. No. So thanks to Ben and Adam yeah. of Greatest Gen and Greatest Discovery for fun times and being responsible. Yes. Much yeah. appreciated. <laughs> well, responsible in that respect anyway. <laughs> There's very little that's responsible. They tell a lot of stories that don't sound very <laughs> responsible, but in that respect. <laughs> anyway, instead of making jokes about other people's podcasts maybe we should get on with our own podcast perhaps what are we talking about we are talking today about stargate sg1 season four holy shit episode two the other side 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 of what I'm not sure. Um, oh, I think I get it, I mean, but I'm not going to say because I don't want to give anything away. I guess they're talking. I, I don't know. Anyway, we could talk about that. Yeah. Episode begins in SGC. Jack has showed up super early for work and there's an unscheduled activation as he is getting off the elevator. And even though he's super early, when he gets to the control room, he finds that Sam is already there. <laughs> Apparently she's never left. <laughs> They're trying to figure out what is happening with these unscheduled activations. Apparently, there have been several of them, five, actually, in the past hour. And as they're chatting about what's happening here, Daniel runs in. (laughs) Jack eyes Daniel's clothes, too, skeptically, (laughs) realizing that Daniel is also still in as much uniform as Daniel ever ever really wears. (laughs) Jack's like, when the hell did you get here? And apparently, Daniel also never left. Seems like. (laughs) Yeah, they're a bit workaholics, despite the fact that Jack says that he's given them orders yeah. to not do that but we know that orders mean nothing yeah i appreciate jack's mild concern about work-life balance i do too it's extremely important yeah. to have good work-life balance yeah so good job jack yeah, yeah. even though he's also two hours early for work whatever right <laughs> it's true also yeah there is that i was wondering why he was showing up for work two hours early and it was still dark out like who yeah does that, so. i don't know <laughs> anyway they are getting a radio signal in this time They're not able to radio back out because they can't match the frequencies, which didn't make much sense because if you're receiving the signal, then wouldn't you be sending it back out on the same frequency that you're receiving it on? But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Long story short, we hear a voice that is trying to contact somebody named Philar, who was supposed to have reached the other side. And they're trying to radio through to this person asking for a response. That's not so good. Because the iris has been closed, so obviously there have been no arrivals. Yike. Yeah. They're continuing to talk about needing to match frequencies before they can radio out to tell them that they shouldn't be sending any more people. 
The person on the other planet introduces themselves as Alar and asks if anybody at all can hear him since none of his people are answering and then gives a brief background of what's happening over there that their historians believe that the Stargate is a portal to their ancestral world and that they're in major need of help because they're being besieged by a powerful enemy and they're in a lot of trouble. Please help. ASAP. And then the Stargate is shut down. They decide to go back and see what the computer says as far as impact events against the Iris. And apparently there were three. So that means three people came through and splatted. Yikes. Yep. Everyone is rather disturbed at that realization. I was wondering why this, as we will come to learn, this somewhat advanced civilization isn't Mm -hmm. as cautious as Earth, and send through right? probes first, maybe. Right. I was actually wondering about that, too. But, oh well. <laughs> but no, they decided to just go for it. Come on, man! Nobody lives forever! They might just be desperate, too. Yeah. They said that this was their fifth signal in an hour, but only three of them had an impact event, so maybe one of those was a probe, but then you would think if it never came back that they wouldn't then send three people to follow. Yeah. Who knows? One thing I forgot to mention, yeah. I think, last time with the credits... Is that we are back to the clip show version of the credits. Oh, nice. I actually season. meant to watch them today and then I because for- I forgot to watch them last week. And then as I was starting it, I was like, you know what? I should watch the credits today. And then I totally forgot again. They haven't changed. They're, they're the old the clips same from clips. season one. Yeah. Yeah. But but no longer the pharaoh face yes. thing. <laughs> I actually kind of like that better. I like the pharaoh face effect thing is cool, but the, like, the, the slow panning over the face doesn't match the... <laughs> The, high, the quick pacing of the music, and it always kind of bugged me. Yeah. After the credits, <laughs> the team is gathered in the conference room to listen to a recording. Was it, it wasn't from this past instance, I think? One of the other instances? I don't know when they got this recording. Oh, I thought it was the same. Oh, was it the same? Thing. Maybe I was just, my brain is broken, even though we just... Yeah. I thought that this past instance was the first time that they've gotten a radio signal. So unless they called you're in right. like maybe a sixth time, no, I thought it was the same. You're right. It's the same message. I'm yeah. just, my brain is so broken. Did you notice the name that displayed on the screen as they were listening to this? You know, the first time I didn't see the name, but I heard the voice and I knew who yeah. that was. Yeah. Yeah. Rene Eugenois' name was prominently displayed as they were replaying the recording. I didn't recognize it the first time that we heard him speak. But when I saw his name, I was like, oh, hey, this is him. Yes. Also known as Odo for anybody who has no idea who that is. Also Odo known as Odo. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Yes. He also played Frasier's mentor on Frasier and slept oh, that's with Roz. Right. And Frasier could not handle that. I forgot about that. I'm actually rewatching <laughs> Frasier again right now. <laughs> and also he's had a whole other long career, but. He has, but that's what I know him uh, Yeah. So they're listening to the recording, talking about how they need help. Their defenses are all out. And Hammond wants to know what can they seriously consider offering these people if they reach out again and they can communicate. Daniel's like, well, obvs, food, clothing, medical supplies. But Teal'c is like, they want military assistance above all else. Teal'c also cautions that they could be gold playing a trick. But Sam disagrees. I guess Daniel does too. On what basis? <laughs> they I have no basis know. to disagree with him on that. Yeah. They realize this situation is going to be sticky since they've already accidentally killed some of their people. Whoops. But, you know, maybe they'll be able to try. In the middle of their discussion, the alarm goes off and the gate is opening. So they have another unscheduled off-world activation. They zip on down to the control room to figure that out. I literally laugh out loud at this part because as the alarms are going off and we're hearing the gate dial and the recorded voice is saying unscheduled off-world activation, Walter runs upstairs to say, we have an off-world activation. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Like, thanks, Walter. Why? Why did he feel the need to do that? Like, we see so many off-world activations, unscheduled or otherwise, that come in and nobody runs up to tell them because there's the recording why did they have to do that for this one it was like a union thing where like he just needed an extra line so they're like let's just stick it in here (laughs) i don't know it's actually interesting too because i haven't been paying that close attention but gary jones who plays walter 
his name was in the like beginning opening credits this time not like the opening not like good for him yeah but after Rene Aubergeois and somebody else's name his name was there too and I couldn't remember if I'd seen that before or if he's usually at the end yeah I don't remember I don't remember seeing it but I haven't been paying that much attention in my mind it's because he's now a more prominent member of the crew maybe I don't know he still doesn't get a name in my transcript no I don't think it's an official transcript either so that doesn't necessarily mean anything yeah, I think it it took him a long time to get a name. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> get to see Gary Jones, though, if we end up going to another convention, this time being a Stargate convention yeah. in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to see. Maybe. 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 Mm. Considering. Considering. Yeah. Mostly concerned about my, my kitties and their un- inability to be medicated while I'm gone. <laughs> mm. We can make Jeff take care of them. He'll be home. <laughs> He was a vet assistant. He was like the perfect person to have take care of your cats that need medication. Is Jeff any better about getting cats that have attached themselves to carpeting under your bed out from under the bed? Yeah, probably. Than my brother. <laughs> he Most likely. smaller than my brother. This is true. <laughs> Quite true. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Not that he would fit under the bed. Nobody can fit fully under the bed, I don't think, unless they're a child. Anyway. So get my niece and nephew over there. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. In the control room, they have finally figured out the right frequency to get two-way communication. And so they are able to talk to Alar when he calls back in. Oh, Alar. It is actually pronounced, I suppose. When he calls back in, he says that he is from the nation state of Uranda. And Hammond introduces himself and tells him who we are. Alar wants to step through and talk to them right away, but they just explain the whole Iris situation and that they're not prepared to open that up just yet. Alar begs and pleads for help some more and promises that he's a friend. (laughs) They are able to get visual confirmation at this point as well. And he's like, look, do I look like a threat? (laughs) I have been holding this shape for 16 hours. Certainly a gold wouldn't put themselves on your screen. Right? Not that he knows who they are, but... Yeah. (laughs) So he tries to convince them that he's not a threat just by showing them his face. Everyone in the SGC is still unconvinced. In addition to trying to convince them that he's friendly just by looking at them, he (laughs) promises that his people will give the SGC access to absolutely all of their technology if they are just able to give his people any help whatsoever. Not surprisingly, Hammond wants to know a little bit more about the situation before committing to that. And Alar claims that they have coexisted peacefully with these other people for centuries. And now all of a sudden, for no apparent reason, they're being attacked just out of the blue. And it's so sad and tragic. They're apparently living deep underground. So they're mostly protected for now, but they're constantly getting bombed by the other people. Which leads to cave-ins and various other issues and their generator that's keeping them alive is dying and they need help with that although i don't know that we actually necessarily know that yet yeah then more bombs start going off alara says that there's another attack he needs to get back to his war room but please help and then he runs off and the team continues to debate what to do next yeah they head back to the conference room for that because you can't just have that debate anywhere nope Daniel's pretty keen to help them because this is the first time they've been contacted through the Stargate from people identifying themselves as of Earth origin, which is pretty exciting. Mm. I mean, it was until, you know, later. And <laughs> <laughs> He wants to help. Jax tells Hammond it's his call. Hammond just says Colonel and Daniel's like, I know what you're going to say. Just hear me out. And Hammond says, have a go. Daniel keeps arguing. Then he finally catches up and is like, what? What now? Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, thanks. All right. Nice. Well done. It was very funny. I just agree. (laughs) Hammond says that they are not devoting resources to turn the tide of the war, but there are humanitarian concerns, so they'll offer up food and medical supplies. He tasks Sam with getting that all ready. Everyone leaves except Jack. And him and has a little side conversation with Jack where he's like, so maybe they can give us some tech and we can fight against the gold. 
Hammond has already reached out to his bestie and the joint chiefs about this exciting development. That seems premature. Yes. He gives Jack the go-ahead to negotiate for technology. I was sort of like, what? Why? This is very premature. And then I was sort of thinking, I wonder how unhappy they are with the SGC in general for, say, last week causing basically an international incident with the Russians because their highly advanced allies continue to refuse to give them any (laughs) assistance and then almost got them killed. It's fine. (laughs) Everything's fine. I'm just wondering if he feels like he needs to like make up for that. Yeah. It would be nice if we actually got that detail added in, but unfortunately we don't. You're right. It absolutely would make sense. That's all my headcanon. Yeah, it's great headcanon. It would have been really nice if they had made it actual canon. Yes, because otherwise this episode to me is just bonkers. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Some amount of time later, they are in the gate room getting ready to go. Unlike the other people, they are setting up a melp and still sending a probe through just to make sure (laughs) everything is okay. Hammond's giving some last minute instructions about how they need to report back within 24 hours or else their GDOs are going to be locked out. Jack tells Tilk that he has that look. (laughs) Daniel's like the one where he has misgivings about a mission, but knows deep down that it's the right thing. (laughs) Jack says, no, the other one. (laughs) They go through the gate. And find themselves in a rather chaotic situation. There's all kinds of dust and debris falling from the ceiling because of the recent attack. Alar is still there on the floor injured. But he is delighted to find out that his new friends from Earth have come to help him out. So they give him a hand to his feet. All of a sudden, they are surrounded by people with guns. But Alar tells everybody, no, it's fine. There are kindred from Earth and they're here to save us. Woohoo! Yeah. They continue on to somewhere. Yeah. One of the Urandans is working on Alar. He gives him some sort of injection. And he's feeling better. He's going to win the People's Medal for this. Do you think it's like the People's Eyebrow or the People's Elbow? Is it presented (laughs) to you by The Rock? I really hope so. (laughs) I I hope they have a rock on their world to present that. (laughs) All worlds should have a Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's delightful. (laughs) Jack notices that they're not so bomby right now. That's a word. <laughs> yep. And Alar explains that they're more protected because they're closer to the defense field than they were at the Stargate. Alar is feeling better. Carter's concerned he may have a concussion, but he explains their beta canton, which apparently is that injection gives him an immediate recovery and he's all better so that's a an exciting thing right maybe they could get their hands on that that'd be nice to have yeah yeah tilk says that supplies are being distributed already so the stuff they brought through already helping alar looks at tilk like who the hell is this who's this guy what's that <laughs> on his head he doesn't say any of that but no and he notices that they are not of Earthkin, <laughs> and Tilk explains that he is Jaffa, and his ancestors are also descendants of the Tauri. Jack puts in that he's part of the team. Alar can't really wrap his head around any of this, though. Apparently, nope. Tilk is just too much for him. Apparently, doesn't seem to bode well. No. They're walking down some hallway in their underground bunker thing here, and Alar is giving them more information about. Their society. Apparently, he's one of the leaders, or possibly even the leader. His father was instrumental in establishing this underground bunker slash city civilization. He was one of their highest leaders when the war began. And now they have fewer numbers, so everybody's got to share. And even though he's a leader, he stoops down to the common level and helps out with tasks that need to be done. Woo! Daniel wants to know why they haven't bothered to evacuate through the Stargate since they have figured out how to work the Stargate and they know it goes to other planets. Alara shows them their big giant stasis chamber full of thousands of people from his father's generation that are all being held there until one glorious day when the war is over and they can reclaim their world. I have a question about Daniel's evacuation scenario. Yes. Have they been able to dial any other planet besides Earth? 
That's a good question. They would need an address. They would need so. an address because I'm sure Earth isn't welcoming these thousands of people with open right. arms. Exactly. And already they've lost people because Earth is not welcoming anyone with open arms. I was thinking the same thing. Why would they have tried to evacuate all of these people when they've already lost three yeah. to the one planet that they are aware of? But okay. I mean, Daniel's bringing up a thing that they could think about now, I guess. Yeah. But. Yeah, exactly. Now that they have the help of earth people yeah. earth people can give them a new address to go someplace yeah. else but alar doesn't care he's not on board with that plan it also doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they have thousands of people in stasis that could be helping them to win the war but instead they're complaining about how dire their situation is because they have so few people left so it's a weird situation yeah if they were alive and kicking they'd have to dedicate like food and water resources and stuff to them but Aren't they generating a ton of power keeping these people alive? Exactly. Couldn't they be using that power to make food and produce light that would help them to grow plants despite the fact that they're underground? I would think it actually might take less energy for them to be using all of these people for production of more energy and food and supplies and whatever. But who knows? But no. It's all weird. It is weird. Yeah. They continue on with their tour. Woo. They take them to some sort of war command central, we'll say. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is where they do their national defense. One of Alar's people alerts them that a recon drone is approaching. Alar sort of shows these people who are climbing into, I don't know, they're not quite pods. They're like chairs with like a shield in front of them. Yeah, they're like little control stations. Yeah, and so what these do is control actual unmanned fighters so they can freely shoot at their enemies without the risk of dying, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. He says that they're very effective in preventing enemy bombers from returning to their homes. So cool. I would imagine so. Yeah. Jack asks if there's ever any ground attacks. Alar says the fighters could stop a ground attack, but there hasn't been one in several years because the atmosphere is poisoned. This isn't poison. This is extract of llama. So nobody can live on the surface. Yes, that's bad. Yeah. Like, why are we even fighting for this planet anymore? Right, exactly. I was also confused as to whether or not Yoranda was a planet or whether or not it was like a continent or a country because they talk about themselves being the Eurondans and then they talk about the others basically like they're not Eurondans. Yeah. So that's why I was a little confused as to whether or not this was just the whole planet and they're just like othering the other people by not considering them to be Eurondans or if they are actually separate designations. Yeah. It is unclear. Yeah. Because if you have a destroyed atmosphere over one continent or one country, that's going to spread. <laughs> yes. Daniel asks, why are they fighting over this if the world is poisoned? <laughs> Valid question, yes. Daniel. <laughs> and Alar's like, it won't always be this way. Alar then offers them the opportunity to play with their bomber drone toys. They're assured that this is an unmanned recon drone. Jack's like, uh, in that case, sure. That's cool. Jack goes over to one of the stations and sits in there and then manages to control it he's just controlling it with his brain basically yeah they well pharrell 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 i don't know pharrell i think it's pharrell Pharrell, who is kind of like the right hand person of alar specifies that it's a direct neural interface and i was wondering why nobody protested against this jack didn't even know what that meant but sam specifies that it means that he can control it with his mind so how does it not seem like a bad idea to any of them to let an unknown technolo- an unknown alien technology have direct access to Jack's brain? Nobody protests. I really thought she was going to say something when she was explaining that, but no. Maybe Jack was like, well, ever since my head got stuck in that, like, ancient brain thing, it's cool if I just stick my head into any old thing that's going to play with my brain. Right. <laughs> I know that Sam can control some of the sparkle bling technology with mind control, but that feels like a little... Yeah. That seems like a different situation, though, than the direct neural interface that they're talking about here. And she kind of, like, discovered that by accident. So the connection was already formed. It's not like 
this situation where he's like, yeah, come and connect to my brain. Do it. (laughs) But anyway, he's cool with it because I think he just really wants to play with this new toy. Yeah. And he apparently can is not only controlling one fighter, but several at once. He's looking and he does his thing and he chases it and he destroys the drone. And he's like, that's cool. And he turns to the guy next to him who was also piloting one. He's like, ah, not bad for an old guy. And the man just blankly stares. Mouth agape. Yeah, he's not okay. It was, it was very creepy. Yeah. And Alar explains there is a huge cost to piloting planes this way. And that is, if you are exposed to this for years, you get brain damage. And apparently <laughs> all you can do is sit there and drool other than killing enemies. This is evidence that... <laughs> That you should not just let any alien race connect their technology yeah. to your brain. But he's, Alar's like, don't worry, man. One time is fine. No big deal. You're fine. Yeah. Everything's Jack's, fine. Jack seems a little disturbed at first, <laughs> but then he's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. I was like, wow, I don't think I would be taking it so lightly, yeah. but okay. <laughs> so they follow Alar out to celebrate. Yeah. They go to some kind of dining room, dining area. Alar's got some fancy bottle of something alcoholic that he was saving for the end of the war, but instead he's going to use it to toast to their new friendship. Everybody seems pretty unenthusiastic to this toast, I thought, and I was wondering if it was because of their experience with the (laughs) semi-comatose guy in the pod. Alar others Tilk again by asking why he didn't join in the pledge, so Tilk explains he doesn't drink. It's a good reason. They talk about the weapon system, and Jack loved it, and he wants a dozen, despite the risks of (laughs) severe brain trauma, but, you know, whatever. They're talking about how great the food is, except that Daniel is for some reason disgusted by the hydroponically grown yeast that he's eating at the moment, which makes no sense to me, because that's essentially, not hydroponically grown, but, like, that's essentially what beer and bread are, (laughs) is just yeast and other stuff. Oh, Daniel. Yeah, it's weird. They talk more about the specifics of what Alar and his people want from the people of Earth, and what they want is heavy water. Sounds pretty heavy. Because that helps to keep their generator going. And in return for that heavy water, they will give access to weapons, instructions on how to construct the weapons, all the technology that they have, their stasis devices and fusion reactors and all kinds of cool stuff. Sam wants to have the medical devices that are instantly able to cure people and Alar's like of course of course you can have all of this all we need all we need is just some heavy water mm. that's it just heavy water daniel has a good point shouldn't we ask them why <laughs> i was surprised that jack said no yeah <laughs> that he didn't care at all what they wanted the heavy water from but alara goes ahead and clarifies that that's how they keep their generator going and everyone accepts that as Totally fine. That seems reasonable. Daniel still seems a little bit put off by everything that's happening and is continuing to protest that maybe we should think about this a little bit more or talk about this a little bit more, get a little more information before just fully committing to this exchange. But Jack doesn't want to hear any of that. Jack is fully on board with just giving them some heavy water and getting all this stuff in exchange. Daniel's also still pressing for why you didn't bother to continue fighting this war. Why do you need our deuterium-laced water to help you keep your generator going and to help you keep fighting when you said your atmosphere is poisoned? There's, like, nothing left here for you. Why not just leave? Which was a great point. But nobody has an answer. And then all of a sudden there's another attack. Yay. Yeah. So Alar leaves and is like, ah, I trust you're going to reach a decision. I would think at this point, though, when they're asking not just for help with their generators, but he's also made it clear that the supply of heavy water is going to help them to make new weapons to attack their enemies, I would think that they would be wanting to involve higher-ups in the chain. Not just Hammond, but, like, the Joint Chiefs and the President, maybe, if they're actively getting involved in somebody else's war by giving them these supplies, but that's not a thing (laughs) that they take into consideration, so whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Jack and Daniel and Sam all continue to debate. Tilk really doesn't have a whole lot to say, although he does seem to be on team. Give them the heavy water as well as Jack and Sam also being on that team. Daniel is the only one protesting that they need to know more first. 
Sam and Daniel go back to Earth. <laughs> wow. <Yes. laughs> Sam and Daniel go <laughs> back to Earth. Sam and Daniel go back to Earth. They're still discussing the things. <laughs> All the things. They encounter Hammond and Sam brings him up to speed on what the Urandans want in exchange for their technology. Hammond is surprised that that's everything. I can't believe what I'm hearing. But she's like, yeah, that's cool. That's all. Hammond asks, what do they want the heavy water for? And Daniel's like, thank you for asking the question. (laughs) Sam says that they need the deuterium, which Hammond says can be used to make nuclear weapons. But she's like, oh, no, it's fine. It's for their generators. It's cool. Nuclear fusion, you know. It's great. And that can stave off the defeat of their people. And they are desperately willing to share their technology. Sam says they're at least 100 years ahead of them. Maybe more. And they need to act fast before this limited time offer (laughs) goes away forever. Hammond orders Sergeant Siler to, I'm assuming, acquire the heavy water. Hammond also notices that Daniel is not on team. Woohoo. <laughs> Daniel's like, but I thought we weren't going to devote resources to win a war. Hammond's like, I was talking about military assets, not just some heavy water. Daniel's like, how about morality? That's a good point, Daniel. Hammond's like, yeah. You know, look at all the stuff we're going to get. Behold, my stuff. And also, Daniel, Apophis is still alive and might kill us all again. And we need to stop that. (sighs) It's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. fine. (laughs) I'm sorry. Without my headcanon that I threw in there, why did they even stop Colonel Mayborn if what they want is defenses at whatever cost? With Senator Kinsey, he was a while back almost trying to shut the program down because of the lack of production of any weapons or anything. And at least in this case, unlike with Mayborn, they're not trying to steal it. They're being offered it. But the fact that they don't seem to want to take into account any of the morality of helping these people in their war is very strange. And that does seem to go against what has already been established for the values of the people that are currently in the SGC. So it's all weird. It is weird. And Daniel's like, hey, but do we even know why they're fighting? Sam's like, for their lives. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Sure. That's the only reason. Yeah. But he's like, but, but, but maybe, maybe more information would be good. Sam's like, yeah, you might be right about that. That's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Daniel's slowly getting people to come around to his way of thinking. I don't even know that they're coming around so much as he's at least convincing them that maybe think about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In the war room, Jack and Tilk come in. Farrell tells them that they've got bombers coming in from the east. So Tilk and Jack are both going to get into the pods this time to help out. They volunteer even. They're not asked. They volunteer. So they get in and shoot down a bunch of enemy bombers. Back at the Stargate, Alar is there to meet Daniel and Carter when they come back through, and he is incensed that they brought through such little heavy water for him. And Sam's like, well, this is the best we could do on short notice, but we'll get more. Alar begrudgingly accepts that as her answer, and is like, all right, well, as long as you know more is coming. So they're going to add fuel to their reactors, and then they're going to make a full show of their power, just like on the Death Star. (sighs) Yay. And Daniel says, in the meantime, we have questions. (laughs) And Alara's like, yeah, whatever. Once the attack's over, busy now. Don't care. Jack and Tilk continue to pilot their bombers, and they target some, and that's it for that scene. (laughs) yes that is it (laughs) meanwhile sam and daniel and alar are back in the dining room i think they're hearing the bombing alar then says he's gonna show you another wonder they're going to share and he reveals the field generator behind a wall 
with the help of the heavy water they just brought, it can be brought up to full strength. They have the power for several hours. And Sam's like, all right, well, we'll probably get you some more heavy water by then. Okay? Cool. No problem. Yeah. Back in the war room, Jack and Teal'c are still having fun, trying to shoot down enemy planes. But then, oops, Jack manages to fly one of his drones kind of through the wreckage of a plane that he just blew up, and there's a face in it. A little bit disturbing. Jack is pretty pissed to find out that there are people in these things that they were not told about. Apparently the reconnaissance drone before was unmanned, but these bombers have people in it. I'm putting that on Jack. Yeah, I don't know that I really blame them because he volunteered and he didn't ask. So they probably didn't even think to tell him. Because I interpreted when she told them earlier that it was an unmanned drone, that there in fact could be manned things in the future. Yeah, exactly. So that's on him. Yeah, they did specify before that it was a reconnaissance craft before, but these are bombers, which not necessarily the same craft. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So... Yeah, he was pissed, which is understandable that he was upset that he was killing people. But like you said, it is kind of on him for not asking and for then just volunteering to get in and shoot down more things. A little bit later, they're back in the dining room celebrating yet again. And they are toasting the Fuhrer. I mean, Alar's dad. (laughs) Tilk looks a little bit skeptical at this toast, but Alar's like, nah, it's customary that we toast my dad whenever we form new alliances who are they forming new alliances with i mean aside from earth he says new alliances plural who else do they have an alliance with it doesn't seem like anybody maybe long in the past yeah i suppose i don't know yeah so here they're continuing to work out the details of their deal and apparently what alar and his people are going to need is about three to four times the amount of deuterium that was already provided to them on a daily basis which sam clarifies that's several metric tons a year that's a lot But Alar says that it's a small price to pay for what they're offering in return. And then they point out that it is silent for the first time in who knows how long, because the generator is running at such full strength that their shields are at full strength, and they can't hear any of the bombing that's happening up on the surface. And they're all overjoyed by that. At this point, Daniel asks what started the war, and they're told that the first bombs just fell out of nowhere on Yoranda, in a surprise attack, which is what was making me think, oh, so is Yoranda not the planet then? Yeah, true. Yeah. I don't know. Alar was a boy of nine, and he just remembers being so horrified by everything that was happening as his dad was trying to shuttle him to safety. And that was how he knew that the war had begun, because all of his streets and the homes of his friends and family were being destroyed. And everything was just tragic and sad as the city or town or continent or whatever Yuvanda <laughs> is was getting destroyed Daniel points out uh, we only have your word for that Alar also points out that three of their people died trying to reach earth and that it was an accident and they only have their word that it was an accident so fair point with that Jack is trying to still get Daniel to just stop talking and stop asking questions and Alar wants to know if this is part of the normal bargaining process and Jack says it's not but shouldn't it be? (laughs) Yeah. No? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So Alar asks officially do we have an agreement and Jack says that they do. Daniel continues to protest. Again Jack tells him to just shut up. Yeah. Yep. The team and Alar are headed back to the Stargate And Alar and Jack are having a little conversation on their own. Alar congratulates Jack on killing some enemies. Maybe you want to try again? And Jack's like, no, no. I would think that he should have been protesting a bit more in that last scene about the fact that he had accidentally killed some people. But that wasn't even mentioned at all as they were toasting their victory and hashing out the details. Well, as Alar then points out... These are now your enemy, too, having formed an alliance with us. But also, maybe when you come back, leave the Jaffa behind. That starts to make Jack concerned. Yep. Yeah, so apparently they weren't just concerned that Teal'c is a Jaffa, but they're actual space racists. Yeah, Yeah, because they're like, Teal'c didn't say anything. It's it's who he is that's the problem. He doesn't look like us. He's different. Not like us. Yeah. Jack's like, uh, huh. Bit disturbing. Alar escorts Sam to go look at the generator. Mm-hmm. Jack stays behind at the gate because they were supposed yeah. to be going home. 
Daniel starts to dial, and then Jack grabs his hand mid-dial and is like, we're going to stay here because we're going to have a look around. And Daniel, I need you to ask all the questions. Ask questions. I I thought you told me to. I know what I said, Daniel. It was rude, short-sighted, and I'm sorry. Now I'm saying this. Go ask questions. Daniel's like, thank you. Thanks for recognizing that. And I thought that was really good, actually. I did think it was weird, though, that even after he found out that he had killed people without realizing it, and even after he found out that the technology was bad for his brain and they hadn't told him that until after he used it, he was still all on board. And the one thing that made him suspicious was the fact that they just didn't like Teal'c because he wasn't like them. Yeah, that's bad, but it it just seemed weird that that was the turning point versus any of the other things that should have already been... making him skeptical yeah nobody better mess with teal'c no i fully agree because teal'c is awesome jack is not on board yeah Yeah. (laughs) back in the war room alar and sam are talking about the generator and because earth has so much water in it making heavy water is not a problem i actually looked into this Heavy water, I did know, is a byproduct of nuclear reactors, but I wasn't quite sure what the fact that we have so much ocean water had to do with it. So I was actually really interested to learn when I searched that one out of every 5,000 molecules of seawater contains deuterium. Huh. And so that's how they're able to make heavy water if they want to make heavy water. Interesting. There's that word again, heavy. Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? What? If anyone doesn't know or if anybody ever even cares, deuterium is a hydrogen with a neutron in it. So it has an atomic mass of two instead of one. And that's why it's referred to as heavy water because it has deuterium in it. And so when hydrogen is replaced by deuterium, this isotope of it that has an extra neutron, that's what makes it heavy water versus regular water, if anyone cares. What happens if you drink heavy water? Don't do that. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's bad. But, like, it's a little, it's just a little heavier. It's water. It's fine. It is, but it's, like, it's toxic. I actually don't even know exactly what the side effects are, but I know it's terrible. Uh, Now now I want to look that up real quick, what the side effects are. Yes! According to sciencenotes.org, you can drink a glass of heavy water and won't suffer any ill effects. If you drink a few glasses, you might feel dizzy because some of the heavy water would change the density of the fluids in the inner ear. Hmm. Really? That's it? It's got to have, well... It's got to have more effect than that because we're so reliant on the protons from water. I guess maybe if you just drink a little bit of it, it's not bad. But if you were to replace it long term and had a harder time accessing the the hydrogen ions, the protons that our body requires for so many different functions, it would be deadly eventually. But I guess it's not as toxic initially as I thought. So everything in moderation is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, everything in moderation. In moderation. Yeah. <laughs> According to PubMed. D2O, which is deuterium, is more toxic to malignant than normal animal cells, but at concentrations too high for regular therapeutic use. So I guess you'd need a lot of it for it to really start becoming dangerous. Okay. So go for it, Kathy. Go find yourself a nuclear reactor and take some of that deuterium out of the tank and drink it. I'm so excited. Be on your way. Ooh, then somebody asked, what happens if you drink tritium, which is actually (laughs) hydrogen with two neutrons? Uh, Can you drink tritium? It poses a health risk only when ingested, inhaled, or absorbed through the skin. But then it doesn't tell me what the side effects are. This is only just talking about tritium levels in regular drinking water. And if they're low, it's fine. But that doesn't answer the question of what happens if you drink water that is fully laced with tritium. (laughs) Anyway, back to this episode. Sam asks Alar about how long this building has been here because it's such a huge facility that she realizes that it can't have just been built as a result of the war. They must have been planning it for well before the war started. But Alar says that the war was inevitable. And I was surprised that she didn't ask him why, but instead she just asks how long they expect to stay down there. And Alar says that they're going to stay there until the air is free from poison. And at this point, you would think that they would be asking, how did it get so poisonous? But no. They don't. No. No. Teal'c and Jack make their way to the stasis pod things that the people are sleeping in. Jack looks through some pictures and they all look basically the same. Oops, all Nazis. Yes, oops, all Nazis. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) 
every damn one of them. Surprise Nazis is never a good surprise. No. <laughs> Nobody expects Nazis. That's it. <laughs> Oops, all Nazis. Yes, let's agree. That should be the title of this. <laughs> <laughs> I did like when Jack asked Tilk if he felt like Alar was concealing something and Tilk said that he did and so Jack asked what I am unsure he's concealing it <laughs> I thought that I was hilarious <laughs> great. they're all the same <laughs> I really liked Oops All Berries by the way my favorite Captain that stuff Crunch was good. Yeah. yeah right <laughs> I agree delicious i haven't had i really like smurf berry cereal which is an even farther back cut than that and that was not around for more than like i don't even know like i was still probably only like three or four the last time i ate it but that stuff was so good now i want cereal oh yeah me too we never buy cereal me either because it's another thing that like i just treat as like one box is a serving yeah same here we'll definitely eat way too much of it so we keep it out of the house and agreed with doritos as well i will eat too many so do not buy it Back in the dining room, Daniel is talking to Farrell, and he is trying to ask his questions. As Jack has specified, he wants to know more about how the war started, and he wants to know more about the enemy that is supposedly their enemy now that we are allies. And so he wants to know what the enemy is referred to by, and Farrell says that they call them breeders. (laughs) It just gets worse and worse. It really does. I hate these guys. Apparently, the Eurondans only use cloning to reproduce in order to maintain genetic purity. And so these people that are breeding indiscriminately without regard for that genetic purity are just a horrific abomination (laughs) as far as the Eurondans are concerned. And Daniel's like, oh, really? So you mean they come in all shapes and sizes, huh? And Pharaoh's like, yeah. (laughs) Full of disgust. Daniel's like, and colors? And Pharaoh's like, yes! She's just so horrified, and Daniel is just <laughs> looking so disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they would be in for a rude awakening to find out that their kindred on Earth were also massive breeders. Right? I know, I was thinking the same thing. Like, they're kind of holding the people from Earth in, like, this sense of reverie, but yeah, they'd be horrified. Yeah. <laughs> but then, don't worry, they'd find their kindred racists among <laughs> us sadly sadly they yeah. would there are way more of them than i had cared to acknowledge that are still around yep. i have learned since 2016 yeah. can't imagine why there's so much more prominent since 2016 <laughs> but here we are yeah. i don't know what happened then <laughs> anyway anyway <laughs> moving on back in the war room alar brings sam a little cylinder full of crystal looking things and says that it has all the things, all the technology, and we can find a way to put it into your computers. Sam, though, is concerned and has questions about the pipes that she's looking at that go all the way up to the poison surface. She doesn't understand why they would do that. Right. Unfortunately for her, Alara doesn't get a chance to answer because there are more enemy bombers coming. And so they've got to deal with that. Somewhere else in the complex, Daniel manages to make his way back to Jack and Teal'c with his disturbing information that, oh, the Eurondan started the war. He doesn't know exactly how they did it. But after his conversation with Farrell, he is absolutely <laughs> sure that they did. They go in to meet Alar in the war room. And he wants to know where the fuel is. But Jack's like, mm, there's been a little bit of a delay. Sorry. <laughs> Alar is incensed. How can this be happening? They need that fuel now. But Jack's like, well, too bad. You gotta wait. Tilk and I can maybe help you fight them off until they get here. Jack and Tilk go back into their pods. Carter all of a sudden realizes, oh shit, that strike you were talking about was a preemptive strike. They were bombing you to try to stop you from what you were doing. Alar refuses to acknowledge what she's saying and As they are losing energy from their defense shields, Alara says to transfer the energy from the stasis room. So those thousands of people that they were so keen on keeping safe and that were supposedly the whole reason why they can't abandon the planet he's now going to start sacrificing 
them. Desperate measures. Because if energy's coming from the stasis room, then it's going to be killing yeah. those people. Yeah, I get that they're desperate, but if they were that desperate, then they should have just thawed them and left or whatever before this happened. It just goes to show how horribly evil Alar and his people are. More evidence beyond what we've already seen. As Alar goes off to do war fighting things that leaves Sam and Daniel to talk about how the Euronids built this place well before the war had even started. And you know what? They're the ones that poisoned the air. They were trying to cause genocide and kill everybody on the planet that was not a Eurondan by poisoning the atmosphere. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So the initial war strike would have been to the people that were trying to stop the Eurondans from poisoning the planet. That seems like a good reason to bomb somebody, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Alar says that it was his father's vision. The breeders were spreading. They had to make it stop. <laughs> and despite their best efforts, they can't stop them. They just keep bouncing back. And you know what that is caused by? That's caused by genetic variation <laughs> that they have in spades compared to all of you people that are exactly like. That's not what they say. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. They really want that fuel immediately, but Daniel says, ah, bad news, not going to happen now. Meanwhile, in the pods, Jack and Teal'c are coming up on the bombers that are flying in formation. But instead of firing on them, they start escorting them. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> so they follow the bombing vessels and start firing on the Yorondan vessels in order to help the bombers make it closer to this facility. Farrell is horrified when she figures out that that's what they're doing. And so they try to rush to stop Jack and Teal'c from what they're doing. So Jack and Teal'c just crash their vessels into the ground right above the facility. Woo! Yep. When they get out of their pods, Alara pulls a gun on Teal'c, but Teal'c crushes his hand and <laughs> removes the gun from it, which I thought was great. During all the violence and collapse that's caused by the drone's being crashed into the ground and the free reign that the bombers now have to bomb the facility. Everything is shaking. The crystal display falls over and breaks, unfortunately. It would have been nice if they could have stolen that and brought it with them, but they can't. Alara's calling after them that it could have all been yours. <laughs> As SG-1 is racing to try to get back towards the gate and get the hell out of here. <laughs> Jack specifies that, yeah, I wouldn't follow us if I were you. <laughs> Oh, I should specify that in this process, Pharrell was killed under some debris, apparently. We don't care yeah. about her anyway. No. no. <laughs> the team rushes towards the Stargate. Alar decides to follow along anyway, despite Jack's warning. They dial home and they head on through. But before Jack goes through, Alar arrives and begs them to take him with them that he could teach them all he knows, please, please. Jack just stares, turns, and leaves him and mm. Sam. They go through the gate. I was wondering if he was even, like, giving it any consideration at all. I don't know. Yeah. But they come through the gate. Jack immediately has them close the iris. Not shut down the gate. Close the iris. I noticed that he and Sam both turned around and were holding their guns at the event horizon as he was ordering that the yeah. iris be closed. And we get a splat. I have to revert back to my liquid state. Whoops. He deserved it. <sighs> he he was terrible and he deserved it, but I don't like how that happened. No, I was fine with it. I, uh... I was actually just waiting for it and I'm like, mm, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but that's fair. And Hammond's like, uh guess she didn't get any of their tack and jack's like no hammond's sorry but jack's like don't be well he says he's sorry to hear that yes. like he seemed pretty pissed when he said yeah that. but jack's like don't be because yeah. he's got a story to tell hammond he sure does have a story and that's the end of the episode yeah yeah Ooh, kathy yes did you like this episode i had my problems with it i had Massive issues with the fact that without thinking that they really, really need fucked up and needed, like, a win in order to please mm -hmm. the president, that this was all super weird. Their giant yeah. push to, like, get the technologies just didn't make sense in light of the long history of this show. Right. 
But then again, we have at times had them try to steal things from people and blah, blah, blah. So who knows? Maybe I just think at this point the show's a little all over the place with Mm. their mission and their means of procuring technology. I would like to believe that they just felt pressured and that's why they weren't willing to until the blatant Nazism came out to entertain (laughs) that maybe they shouldn't be just helping these people blindly without asking any questions. Right. So, yeah, I might not have liked it. Jack could have ordered the gate shut down instead of closing the iris, and then he would have been trapped in his own world, left to his own demise, which he still would have died, I think. But Jack basically murdered him, and I, I just felt a little icky about it. I don't know that I see that as murder, necessarily, because Jack told him, don't follow us, and they know that the iris is there. So yeah, I see that as Alar being foolhardy and following him when he was warned not to. I feel like it could be both. I don't know. Because, like, didn't they try to shut down the gate? I think they got the iris closed first, but my impression has always been that the iris closes faster than the gate can shut down, typically. So I don't know. But... (laughs) I think it's interesting that we both got a different takeaway from what that meant. Oh, my God. How about you? Did you like it? I actually kind of did. All right. (laughs) I mean, obviously, not because there are Nazis in it. I'm not pro-Nazi. No. But I just thought it was an interesting episode. There were obviously a lot of issues that I had with it where I wished that they had asked questions that they didn't. And I was frustrated with how accepting they were of... Yeah, we're just going to make this share happen. No one's asking questions. It did seem like they were slipping on their morals for no apparent reason. But I did think it was kind of interesting how in the beginning, Alar shows his face and he's like, see, you can trust me. And I was like, why the hell would that mean anything? And it doesn't become obvious why that would have meant anything to him until way later when we see, oh, because they all look alike. And that's why he thinks that showing his face should tell Earth that he's trustworthy. And then I also thought it was pretty interesting how at the beginning, Daniel's all on board with helping them and making it a humanitarian thing. And everybody else is skeptical, like, what if it's a trap? And then after their first visit, it completely flips where Daniel's super skeptical and everyone else is totally on board. So I thought yeah, that was interesting that's too. True. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think that they did interesting things with the storyline in okay. this episode, even though I pretty much remembered where it was going once I started watching the episode. So it wasn't that surprising to me that they turned out to be horrible <laughs> Nazis essentially, but I still thought that it was an okay. interesting yeah, yeah. episode. Yeah. I would like to note too, that I, despite my general annoyances with daniel i was totally on team daniel this episode yeah i actually was too i've found myself being surprised at that i thought that daniel and michael shanks portraying daniel of course did a great job in this episode i really enjoyed his character here yeah Yeah. so yeah 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 so for once on team daniel yeah (laughs) and not on team everybody else yeah (laughs) yeah so what's next let's find out (laughs) hold on next we will be watching Stargate SG-1 Season 4 Episode 3, Upgrades. Ooh. Anis, or Anise, don't know, <laughs> asks Stargate Command for help in testing mysterious armband devices. That person, however you pronounce their name, believes they could be a weapon in their war against the gold. Hmm. You just watched an episode full of Nazis. I'm a little skeptical of armbands, but we'll see where this goes. <laughs> The booklet says SG-1 is selected to test the effects of, in quotations, alien tech, military (laughs) wristbands on human wearers, and soon find themselves blessed with spectacular strength and speed. But when they are sent on a mission utilizing these new abilities, they learn a shocking lesson about the downside of power. (laughs) I feel like they learn the same lesson every week. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Like, everything comes with strings attached and nothing is as it seems. I don't know. Right. (laughs) Valuable lessons. Do you remember the episode at all? Vaguely? I have vague recollections. Yeah. I believe I remember this person, though. Annis or Anise. I don't remember the person, but I vaguely remember the storyline and them being all excited about their superpowers. I believe she's a Tok'ra. Oh, Okay. I was going to say, should they really be trusting weird alien tech after their experience in this episode? I but I said, if she's a Tok'ra, I guess that would make more sense. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. Neither of them mentioned the Tok'ra at all, but I'm pretty sure she's a Tok'ra. 
I also believe she's a she, or at least, uh, yeah. Togra obviously have no gender, but I believe she has a human woman body. Yeah. And I will have things to say about that, I am sure. (laughs) Because I believe I recall this character. Okay. All I have to say about it is that Anise is disgusting and vile, and I want it nowhere near my face. Agreed. We're on on the same page on that, even though we have many food disagreements. Yeah, we do have many food disagreements. Like olives and apple pie. Mm, olives. Blech, apple pie. Yum, apple pie. Blech. Olives. <laughs> liver. You freaking weirdo. <laughs> I can't believe you eat liver. You know what? I had one serving and that was enough. And now I've satisfied that liver craving for the next decade probably. Blech. So, Ugh. It's just so full of bile and toxins. You're full of bile and toxins. I mean, it filters out the toxins, so it doesn't usually store the toxins <laughs> unless there's something wrong with it. But yes, I am full of bile and toxins. That is very true. <laughs> You're not wrong there. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening. Our episodes come out every Monday. No, every Wednesday. <laughs> Sometime during the week, you'll get an episode. Our episodes come out on some day of the week at some time, maybe when we feel like it, which which is traditionally every Wednesday. (laughs) If you haven't subscribed already, please do so. And we love likes and reviews to help other people find the podcast. Word of mouth is great for that as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. We also have our website at stargatesing.space. We have our episodes on YouTube, which I've forgotten to mention the last few times as well. And if you're feeling generous, you can head on over to patreon.com slash stargatesing to become a patron over there and get early access to episodes as well as some behind-the-scenes updates and bonus episodes. And I think that's everything. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargatesing. The end. The end. Buddy, I wish you would purr for people. You're no pepper, though. Do it. Purr for us, buddy. Buddy. Purr. What if I move the microphone close to Buddy? Like that. Like that. Can you hear him? I can hear him. Hi, Buddy. (laughs) He is very cute. He is very cute.